There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Right now there are groups that characterise Australia as being a systemic racist society where white privilege rules. Skin colour has become a very hot topic, especially in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that saw the tragic and senseless death of George Floyd in the United States. Well, The controversies are alive and well in Australia, where Aboriginal deaths in custody have been elevated to the national limelight. And anyone entering into the conversation is likely to come up against all sorts of angry opposition. Well, a conversation today around the idea of judging people by the colour of their skin and their ethnic background. The term racist is bandied around and used like a weapon to win an argument. So in all of this, what are the strengths that we can call on in biblical Christian understanding that help us to deal effectively with issues around race. David Robertson is the director of what is called Third Space, a project of City Bible Forum in Australia. He originates from Scotland and writes for newspapers, magazines. He's the author of a number of books, including The Dawkins Letters and Engaging with Atheists. Uh, David Robertson, a special welcome along to 2020. Yeah, it's good to be with you and, and good to be able to discuss what is a very important subject. David, let's start with concern around the church mimicking secular society on issues of race. You've been following this along. What do you think the church is doing wrong here? Well, I think the church can mimic society in so many different ways, particularly when we take our eyes off Christ and we become, in one sense, much more secular. So uh, there are times when the church has mimicked the society, for example, uh, by being racist. When the society was, the church often reflected that. I think that today there is a danger that the church looks and recognizes, for example, that Black Lives Matter, which... Uh, obviously, from a biblical perspective, is absolutely true, but then transfers that into supporting the organization Black Lives Matter, which is a very different thing. And I think that we are in enormous danger of just reflecting the values, both the values and the divisions of the world. Let's talk about the Black Lives Matter organization, because as you say, Black Lives Matter, that in itself, taken at face value, is something that Christians can say, of course, Black Lives Matter, but let's separate that 
concept, which we'd say could be a biblical concept, uh, to this idea of supporting a Black Lives Matter organization. What is it that you see that characterizes the Black Lives Matter organization? Well, okay. Let, let, let me just put the argument this way a little bit as well. I suggest that supposing there was an organization which uh, was said it was opposed to harming children. And I mean, all of us would agree that harming children is wrong. But then suppose you discovered that that organization was an extreme far-right fascist organization. Would you continue to support it? Now, I think a lot of people would say, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, You couldn't then turn around and say, oh, you just don't believe in harming children or you don't believe in protecting children because it's a very simplistic argument. And the trouble with the Black Lives Matters organization is what kind of organization is it? So I went and I read their manifesto and it's clear to me that they're a pseudo-Marxist organization. They want to uphold queer theory, destroy the family, get rid of capitalism, remove the police. And I see that today in the UK, they've even tweeted uh, an attack on Israel. Now, if, if those are your values and your views, you can support them. But if those are not your values and your views, then why would you support them? Um, the idea that if you don't support this particular organization, you are therefore saying black lives don't matter is ludicrous. And that's really the point I was making, that I think we should think about these things and, uh, and be uh, much more considerate and much less simplistic than a, a lot of the memes suggest. As you say, there's something important about being thoughtful and being able to think through the issues. And I imagine that all of the sorts of things we do when there's no controversy, uh, the way we build maturity into our Christian faith, uh, maturity into our Christian lives, these things matter when the crisis comes, when the crunch hits, when we're called on to make uh, some sort of a judgment as to whether we'd support that organisation or that movement. Uh, those sorts of things are important. But, but so, so when we talk about being thoughtful, you're talking about Christians being thoughtful about the issue rather than uh, whether they're going to support an organisation in all of that. Well, I'm thinking we need to be discerning about what we do and what we do. So, for example, when the Black Lives Matter march was in Sydney, I actually considered going on it. I genuinely considered going on it. Um, and there were two things that stopped me. One was I thought it was hypocritical because um, we have been in a kind of lockdown and suddenly to say, well, you can't visit more than a couple of people and you can't meet in church, but you can't have 10, 20,000 people on the streets of Sydney. No, that didn't make sense to me. But the other thing, as I say, what I did was I went and looked at the the manifesto of Black Lives Matter and I thought, no, I don't support that organization. And I think being thoughtful is, you know, it's also, it it means other things. Things are really not simplistic. In today's world, social media world, we divide very quickly into tribes. So on the one hand, you get people say black lives matter, and then other people respond by saying all lives matter or white lives matter. Well, in a sense, all of those things are true. But responding to black lives matter by just simply saying all lives matter is missing the point, because the point is that in some areas of the world, particularly some areas of the United States, Uh, It was seen that um, the color of your skin meant that your life mattered less to some people and sometimes even institutionally. 
That certainly historically was the case in Australia. There, there are those who would argue that it's the case today, and there were those who would argue that it isn't. I just think we need to be extremely careful before we make those kinds of judgments and before we engage in a sloganeering. David, how do you see the difference between how a Christian thinks and someone who is going along with the, we'll call them the philosophies of this world, uh, in this issue around race, relations, racism, the colour of skin? What are your thoughts in the difference of what a Christian thinks here? Well, I think a Christian should always be aware of racism, and not just when it's, you know, the, the cultural issue of the moment. And the reason for that is our theology, which tells us that all human beings are made in the image of God and all should be treated with respect. I think also we should have an awareness of history, that racism has existed in every society. It's not, it is ridiculous for people to say, if you're white, you're racist. Ironically, that's judging people by the color of their skin. So I found it quite interesting. I was involved in a discussion and uh, online, and uh, I had begun an article saying, I have a confession to make, I'm not a racist. And the immediate response was, well, you must be a racist because you're white. Mm. And I said, okay, you can argue that all human beings have a degree of tribalism and therefore a temptation to racism. I'll accept that. But the person who argued with was white, and I said, I'm really sorry that you're confessing you're a racist. And they, they immediately responded by saying, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, it's society. It's not individuals. But actually, it is individuals. And individuals have attitudes. And for me as a Christian, for many, many, many years, I have accepted what the Bible teaches that um, also how Martin Luther King summarized it, that we do not judge people by the color of their skin ever. So I don't look at someone who's white and say, you must be a racist. I don't look at someone who's black and say, oh, well, you must be less civilized than someone who's white, which is ludicrous. I don't look at someone who's Chinese and, and judge them on the color of their skin or their, or their ethnicity. And I just think for the Christian, that should be seen as a sin. A conversation or two of recent times on this program uh, talking about the colour of Jesus' skin and uh, the idea that for some there's a sort of blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white Jesus, but that would be far from the reality of someone who comes from the Galilean district uh, in Israel. Any thoughts mm -hmm. around, you know, when we try to uh, create a Jesus image in our own mind around our own skin colour? What are your thoughts around that sort of issue, David? Well, I find it extremely interesting that in the whole of the Bible, there is no description of what Jesus looks like. I, I grew up with this image of him, from, I think, from Sunday school books as, as being a kind of late 1960s white hippie, you know, um, you know, complete with sandals and white clothes and long hair. Uh, we have no description of Jesus other than Isaiah 53, 52, 53, which says that on the cross, he was so ugly that people couldn't look at him. So um, we really have no physical description of Jesus, and I think that's very, very interesting. I also think that it is clear that he did not stand out physically from other people around him. So therefore, he would have been, um, uh, as we would perceive an Arab today, a Palestinian. Uh, so 
he certainly the white Jesus is wrong and the black Jesus is wrong. And I think the reason for that is just simply to say that uh, Jesus, whatever his skin color, it's irrelevant anyway. He is, you know, the savior of the whole world and he is relevant for the whole world. So it's never been an issue that I um, particularly got too involved in because I don't think, uh, I, don't, I just don't think it's relevant biblically what skin color Jesus was, and he wouldn't be judged by that anyway. Interestingly, it may not be relevant as to what skin color he was, but it may be relevant what skin color he wasn't, if you wanted to put a whole lot of different scenarios in there. Hey, I'm asking our listeners today, David, do you think current racial controversies will lead to any racial reconciliation? That's a question that I've got on our Facebook page today, and I'm inviting listeners to contribute a vote on a poll, uh, probably a yes or a no, and then to leave their own comments, and hopefully we can reflect some of those through our conversation. So I, I won't ask your opinion on that just yet, but we'll get to it. The question, do you think current racial controversies will lead to any racial reconciliation? And you can respond to that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you along with us. The Monday edition of 2020 and we're talking race relations. You might have your own say. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is David Robertson. He's the director of what's called the Third Space a project of City Bible Forum in Australia. Uh, David, you've come to Australia from Scotland and we're talking about race issues and race relations perhaps that emanated out of America with the Black Lives Matter movement, the death of George Floyd. Uh, But uh, in the UK, you're no stranger to race relations and here you are in Australia and recognising that there are race issues that we talk about here as well. Uh, Let's talk about race relations at the moment. They do seem to be uh, hitting a low what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, ironically, um, well, two things. First of all, I, I, I can't think of a single society in the world where there are not racial problems. Um, uh, even, you know, if you, someone might say, well, you've got a society like South Korea, but it's, you know, 90% South Korean. Um, I, I, where you have different races meeting together, you will have problems and so on. I think that does occur, uh, and I think this is where the Christian church has an answer, but we'll we'll probably come on to that. I do think that what has happened, and I think the response of Black Lives Matter and the current uh, attempt to portray everything white as racist, or the current attempt to rewrite history, I think in actual fact, this is making race relations in the West as bad as I've seen in the whole of my lifetime. Uh, I don't think this is improving things at all. I think it's making it many, many, many times worse. It's not to deny that racism didn't exist before, but it's just simply to say that this way of dealing with it is going to add fuel to the fire. This is a very baseline challenge, isn't it? Uh, where you've got uh, skin colour versus skin colour relations because 
A lot of people will call Australia a multicultural nation, which takes things even deeper than skin colour and brings into that culture and religious difference as well. But what we're simply... Uh, talking primarily today about the idea of skin colour versus skin colour or whether that's even uh, the way you ought to even talk about that but the idea of multiculture versus multi-ethnic uh, it can go deeper than just the colour of skin can't it? Yeah it does so I think um, I, I was uh, I gave a, a talk yesterday at Rose Bay Presbyterian Church and uh, a Sri Lankan doctor asked me this question he, he said did I see the difference? Did I see a difference between racism based on prejudice, based on skin color, and ethnicity? And I do indeed, because you can have um, people who are the same skin color, but are opposed to each other because of ethnicity. So a classic example would be in Africa, uh, the uh, the Hutu and the Tutsi in Rwanda when there were the massacres there. Or uh, in Europe, where there were the two world wars, where people who are largely white fought each other. Um, so ethnicity can work, and tribalism works in different ways as well. I was sort of joking about it a little bit, but there's a little bit of tribalism, let's say, between Sydney and Melbourne. Um, and you can have tribalism uh, on, on different grounds, some of it much more serious than others. So I think that's a problem. I think also in terms of culture, multiculture in the sense of having different cultures together is a great thing. I love uh, living in Sydney and I love the Chinese culture and the Thai culture and uh, the, the, the Arab culture, um, the European culture, the indigenous culture. There's so many different cultures that can be good, but multiculturalism is often perceived as everything being the same or coming under one dominant culture. You do need to have common rules to be able to live together. You can't just decide, well, in our culture, we drive on the right-hand side of the road, and in their culture, they drive on the left-hand, so just do whatever you want. You can't do that. And that applies in different areas as well. So I think that's why this issue is particularly complex. And to reduce it to um, skin color, which is a factor, but to reduce it just to that does not help. Let's come to what we might see the Bible teaching about issues around race here because for me, I'm more inclined to say that when we talk race issues, uh, biblically we're talking about one race, the human race, uh, created in the image and likeness of God. I wonder whether even this idea of talking race relations and assuming that there are different races of people actually starts getting us into hot water before we get into a discussion about it. But uh, biblically, one race, what are your thoughts here, David? Yeah, I think I actually think that, that that's an extremely important point. Um, I actually do not believe in um, what we would call identitarian politics, the view of identitarians that your race is the fundamental part of who you are. I think there is one race, there's the human race. And I think any divisions within that are largely human constructs. Now, the Bible does teach us that God sets up nations and boundaries and so on, and that human beings are like that. But the idea of a fundamental distinction between human beings based on skin color or racial perceptions is actually something that's risen out of late 19th, early 20th century um, 
progressivism, liberalism, it's not something that, uh, in my view, is that can be defended biblically at all. So um, I do not look at other human beings who are as a different skin colour to me and say that they are um, fundamentally different. I mean, I'm, I'm quite proud of uh, my own background. I'm, I'm Scottish, and if, if that was a race, I guess you could say that, you know, hey, we're the number one race, <laughs> which would be ridiculous. But um, I just don't think that biblically it's right to split human beings into races. Interestingly here, and uh, as you say, Scottish, and uh, if that were a race, you'd be proud of it because there are nations, there are boundaries, and the Old Testament takes us into the idea that God sets up a race, or well, let's not call it a race, let's call it a nation, uh, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, taking a people to himself that they might worship him in the wilderness and take them on to the promised land. Uh, so this was something that God was interested in. And so when you've got nations, when you've got boundaries, you've got the formation of a culture. And uh, I guess you've got a culture, as we saw in the Old Testament, building that godly culture into the children of Israel uh, through ups and downs, that that's something that uh, is relevant when it comes to Christians and the way we think about different nations and cultures on earth yeah and i think you can have different people groups so there's no question at all that there are jewish people that you know and there are different genetic makeups and all the rest of it that that's different i think there are subdivisions if you like of the human race you can absolutely have that um and you know we talk about caucasian uh, in australia you talk about indigenous you may talk about chinese or han chinese or korean or whatever I, I don't dispute that there is a wonderful variety within the human race, but I do dispute that there are um, fundamental divisions which would enable someone to say, well, this race is lower than another. I mean, one of the things we looked at yesterday in Rose Bay was simply this, that um, it was largely Western liberal social Darwinianists who believed that the white race was at the top and that the darker race is particularly African were somehow lower down the evolutionary scale. Well, we don't believe that. We believe that all human beings are descended from Adam and Eve, and all human beings are fundamentally the one race. And for me, that is an absolutely crucial aspect of everything. Interestingly, when we talk race and where God is in all of this, uh, this idea that somehow rather Christianity is, you know, the religion of the white man, well, of course, that is dispelled. We were talking about Jesus and skin color and uh, the fact that he was uh, more of Arab appearance. We might even take that a little bit deeper and say that given that he was a carpenter working outdoors, that he might have actually been darker than many might think. But talking about God and understanding racism. I mean, God, when he raised up the Jewish nation, the children of Israel, uh, these days you might even see with the rise of anti-Semitism and you might say, does God understand racism? Well, God understands that insofar as his people, uh, for some, have been among the most hated on earth. I wonder what you've got any thoughts here, David, around uh, God and his understanding of the fact that there are racial and uh, ethnic differences, and whether he understands that. Well, of course. I mean, one, God is God and uh, is omniscient. He knows all things. That's one thing. Um, the other is, you could say, what is the intention? Is there an intention that there be different people groups? And I do. I do think there is variety. I don't think God creates us all the same. Um, 
the the awareness of um, racial divisions and so on. Yes, I think that's obvious. I think what is also obvious, uh, one of the most amazing things, is the survival of the Jewish people in particular, because they are, of all people throughout history, they have been the most hated. And I think it was the French philosopher, mathematician, theologian, Pascal, who said that one of the great proofs for the truth of the Bible was the continued survival of the Jewish people. And I actually think there, there is an element of truth in that. Uh, I also think that um, we have this situation where, you know, human beings are sinful. And you will get misogyny, you will get racism, you will get greed, you will get tribalism, you will get war. Uh, what is it James says that what causes wars and quarrels amongst you? Is it not the desire of the battle within you? And I think that that will always happen. Um, I do not think that, uh, I mean, I think Black Lives Matter, for example, tend to reduce racism to racism is by whites against um, blacks and, you know, the Asians tend to be left out of all of this. I think that, uh, I, I actually think that's fundamentally a racist argument. Um, and I think it's wrong. I mean, it, it's, there are uh, white people who are racist, there are black people who are racist, there are uh, um, you know, Indian people who are racist. There are Chinese people who are racist. It's it, it's part of the human condition, and as Christians, we have to fight against that, whatever our race. Uh, let's come to what Jesus might have indicated or said when it comes to issues around race. Uh, what are your thoughts here on on what Jesus said and portrayed about race relations? The interesting thing is that you will search long and hard and in vain to find a quote of Jesus that directly talks about racism so that, you know, uh, you don't get a commandment, you know, you shall not be a racist. However, everything in terms of what Jesus was doing, in terms of how he treated people um, in a society where there were deep racial divisions, uh, the whole teaching that he accepted from the Old Testament about all human beings being created in the image of God. And I also think the church that he ended up creating so that Christ is fundamentally opposed to racism and wouldn't recognize it. He would not recognize these kind of distinctions that are made so that uh, we used to have a, a Sunday school chorus, uh, which some of your listeners may recognize, you know, uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And I actually think that taught the truth. I mean, that, that's how I would summarize it. Um, I think you've also got things like, um, say, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where there were um, people with at least ethnic divisions who were supposedly enemies and they helped one another. Or at least the Good Samaritan helped the person who'd been uh, beaten up and his own people didn't help him. And I think that's an attitude, that's reflecting an attitude that we ought to have. Okay, taking calls on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Jason is on the line from Victoria. Hi, Jason, welcome. Good morning, Neil, and good morning to your guest, David. I'd like to say that... Good morning, Jason. I'd like Mandisa who says in her song, Be the Samino, sing. Tell me who are we to judge someone by the clothes they're wearing or the color of the skin. Are you black? Are you white? Are you all the same inside? Father, open our eyes to see. 
Jason, uh, good thoughts. A response from you, David, for Jason? Yeah, just simply, I don't, I, it, it is uh, absolutely wrong for us to judge people on the basis of the colour of their skin or indeed on, on the clothes that they wear. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't recognise the importance of these things for people. I think just to say we ignore um, how we look would be uh, unrealistic. But to use it to judge people is just wrong. Jason, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's stay with the Good Samaritan for just a few moments here, David, because uh, we know the story of the Good Samaritan and there was a man who was uh, beaten up along the road and uh, we know that there were a number of uh, same nationality that crossed the road and walked on the other side, but it was a Samaritan who was a different uh, ethnic uh, origin to the man who was beaten up who actually was the one who went and helped. Uh, the idea that it wasn't skin colour or ethnic origin that the good Samaritan saw, but he saw someone who was wounded, someone who had been robbed and and went to his aid whether he was uh, black, white or any other colour. Uh, what are your thoughts around the deeper things that we might understand about what Jesus conveys when he tells uh, the, the sort of story, the parable of the Good Samaritan? Well, I think that story is particularly helpful in today's world where things get simplified way too much. And for example, it then all becomes about skin colour. Because in that particular parable, the issue was also one of religion, ethnicity, various groups. And I think it's just saying, um, it, it's teaching something very profound that we have to um, argue, not, not argue, uh, defend, uh, protect, and love and care for other human beings, no matter their background. I think that's what he was teaching. And when we talk, you know, issues around great commandments, uh, loving the Lord your God, uh, loving your neighbour as yourself, there's a certain sense here in which uh, it's not just an attitude, but there's an action involved here, uh, which sees the welfare of others who are in trouble uh, at the same level as the sort of issues that we face ourselves. There's this sort of equality that is being inbred into our Christianity because of the teachings of Jesus here. Yeah, so, I mean, the way I would describe it is this, that we very often act as people who, we, we, we like what, what I call plus, people like us. So there are certain cultural things that, and I understand that, why people would go together and, that, you know, um, and sometimes skin colour will come into that. But from a Christian perspective, I, I, I cannot, if I see someone lying in the gutter, you know, in their own vomit, I cannot look at them and say, oh, you're scum or you're not a human being. They are a human being. They're somebody made in the image of God. Uh, if, I, if I see people, you know, just from very varied and different backgrounds, um, I, I think that, again, where people need help without being patronizing and without looking down on people, I think it's important for us to come to the assistance of other human beings. And I think that what Jesus taught in that is reflected in how largely, not, not always, but how largely the church has been throughout the ages. Because I would argue that uh, we are a fundamentally multiracial, multi-ethnic group, and 
that is seen itself from the Bible, where in Revelation, before the throne of God, there are people from every tribe, language, people, and nation, Revelation 7. And again, in Revelation, at the end of the book, we're told in Revelation 21 and 22 that the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And um, that's certainly something that humanity needs. And that's where the Christian answer is somewhat different. And we'll deepen that idea in just a few moments, but let's take another call or two. Let's hear from Marguerite in Frenchville in Rockhampton. Hello, Marguerite. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Very well. What are your thoughts, Marguerite? Well, it's saddening, isn't it, that um, we have the Holy Bible. We know that God created us in his image. We know that there are people that um, have mixed coloured skins. I, you know, I myself am friendly with Chinese and other nationalities and Aboriginal people. Sadly... um, when they don't think that we all have the same blood, when we go to the hospital, we have a different type of blood, but we all have red blood. And this blood is the same blood that Jesus sacrificed for us on the cross. And this is how he wants us to be, so that we don't... We don't have all this separation and sadness. We are like God. We are colorblind. We don't see skin. And when Jesus' precious blood was flowing on that cross, yes, he was the king the Son of God. Marguerite, beautiful points you're actually bringing out here. Let's talk perhaps a little about the blood. I'll get to your general reflection here, David, but Marguerite raises a wonderfully important point, and uh, we'd celebrate that when we come around a communion table. The blood of Jesus was shed, and uh, that's human blood of Jesus. But uh, your thoughts for Marguerite? Yeah, Marguerite, thanks a lot. Um, Look, there's an author called John Harris, an Australian author, who wrote a wonderful book about the impact of Christianity on the indigenous people over the past 250 years. And he entitled it One Blood. And that was because he was saying, yes, human beings, we do have different types of blood, but it's not down to race or ethnic diversity. You know, you're type A or type O or whatever. In reality, we are one blood. There is one human race, which is what we've been saying in the whole of this program. And your your point about Jesus shedding his blood for us, yeah, absolutely. And it was for the whole world. God gave his son for the whole world. And I think that particularly in that context was saying it's not just for the the Jewish people. It's not just for the nation state of Israel. It's not just for white people. it's 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 for people of every background. And that is absolutely fundamental to how we handle and how we deal with this. Because it's as Christians that we have a basis and a solid ground for saying that human beings are fundamentally equal. I don't think that basis exists anywhere else. And, uh, and therefore, you're quite right exactly in what you say. Marguerite, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a vote and you can leave a comment on our Facebook page today. The question we're asking 
at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Do you think current racial controversies will lead to any racial reconciliation? And uh, as the numbers stand at the moment, 28% say yes, 72% say no. Let me just reflect a couple of comments here for your thoughts, David. Steve says no, because Black Lives Matter really has nothing to do with Black Lives Mattering. Rather, it is a divisional tool to try to install socialism, which is communism. Then Beverly says no, so much has already been done to seek forgiveness for past attitudes and the hurt caused. This current action is politically motivated to cause trouble it demands and feeds unforgiveness. Uh, Any thoughts for uh, those couple of comments? Yeah, I think I would agree with them, uh, but I I think I would broaden them a little bit and add a caveat. I would say it's, it's true that racism still exists today. And I would also say that there are particular aspects of Australian history which we do still need to deal with. I also, I mean, when I first came here, I didn't appreciate um, that when I went to meetings and they would have uh, the thanks to the elders or whatever, I, I wondered what was the point of that? Was it just, but more and more I've gone on, the more I've come to appreciate the significance of it and uh, actually uh, agree with it. I, I think we need to be very careful not to characterize all those who support Black Lives Matter as being Marxists or whatever. I think the organization itself is, but I think that a lot of the people who support it do so out of good motivations and good reasons. I just think it's a bit simplistic and ultimately it's not really, really helpful. Um, and although I don't think that we can confess the sins of people who are long gone, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I do think we need to be aware of our history and we need to learn from it. So uh, I would basically agree with the points made, but I'd want to broaden them a little bit. Okay, let's come back to what you were talking about the church, because uh, there's some glowing things we can talk about in the history of the church here that demonstrate that it's not racist or that God is not racist. What are your thoughts here if we talk about the church being a proof that Christianity is not racist? Right, I think the first thing I want to do is say, look, there are times when the professing church has got it wrong. And there are times when individual Christians have done things wrong. And there are times when Christians and churches have been racist. So, but I would say overall, when you look at what the church does and what it is, it, it from the very beginning has included people of different ethnic, social, racial backgrounds. Um, I, I think that perhaps the easiest way to describe this is my church back in Scotland. I remember an atheist. A friend coming in and saying to me, David, I hate everything you teach, but I want everything you've got. And I said, well, what, you know, what about, he said, well, he says, just look, this is great. He said, there's at least 20 different nationalities in this church. There are people of all different social backgrounds, skin colors, people from every continent. And he said, could you just have that without Jesus? And I said, no, that's the point. That's why we've got it. But it was very interesting because he admitted to me, he said, we talk about equality and diversity. We don't do it. And in the church, in general, I would say, we do it. Now, I think there are, and that there will be, there will be people who attend churches in Australia today, and there may even be churches 
which operate on racial grounds or have racial prejudices. Um, I, I would plead with them in the name of Christ to turn away from that because that is not the, the way of Christ. The way of Christ is to uh, for us to accept people from many different backgrounds. Wonderful illustration, a working model of equality and diversity. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Shannon in Albany in WA. Hi, Shannon. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, just two quick um, points. And one is that I think we've seen in history, you know, racism being a really huge issue, especially in uh, America, where you see that sort of, you know, white kind of dominance over another race. But now we're seeing the pendulum swing the other side, which I think is not um, healthy or sort of what what God is looking for in the fact that, you know, um, Galatians 3, 20, is really important and needs not be forgotten which is um, there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise so there's not um, elevating you know an importance of one race over the other or you know, do you know what I mean? That's sort yeah. of, I think that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing now and I don't think that's Shannon, absolutely fabulous for you to raise that David, your thoughts for Shannon? Yeah, um, I agree. But I think the important thing in that is the phrase in Christ Jesus, because I think it's in Christ that we are brought together. I think without Christ, we won't be brought together. Okay, Shannon, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation. Let's take another call. Dawn is on the line from Bunbury in WA. Hi, Dawn. Hello, good morning. Good to hear from you, Dawn. What are your thoughts? Um, Well... I'm a Christian Aboriginal, and very well in my church over in Western Australia. And the topic is very interesting today because, um, as an Aboriginal person, yes, we all know our history. Um, and I just want to share, like, my father was one of the first Aboriginal people—not first, but in that era of stolen generation, been taken away. Mm. So he lost his language. He lost, you know, everything. As you know, our history, and. Um, so as we've grown up with mum and dad, he tried to shield us from, you know, the mission and stuff like that. But where we worked, he took us in the bush where he worked on the railways and the government stuff. And um, we had missionaries come to our home, the Sunday school with us. So that's where the, well, we first started here about the Lord and the, and the missionary work and all that stuff. So we became Christian over the years, but even then dad didn't become a Christian until oh, after all the, you know, the children did, because it was very hard for him to, um, forgive the Christians at that time. But I'm going to praise the Lord because the missionary did come in and I just wish all Australians would acknowledge our past and then we all can go forward, wow. you know, yeah. work together yeah. because yeah. it is a dark history and it needs to be told and there are lots of Aboriginal Christian people out there and with this Black Lives Matter, we're like, yeah, you know, our people hurting, but we can work together because God loves all of us. He died on the cross for all of us. Dawn. And there shouldn't be any races at all in Australia. That is just so wonderful to hear your heartbeat, Dawn. (laughs) David, a quick response here for Dawn. Yeah, Dawn, uh, it is wonderful. Um, You know this, uh, what what amazes me as a a foreigner in this land is to know that the people 
who are most Christian percentage-wise are the indigenous people, the Aboriginal people, 70 to 80 percent. I'm also aware that some churches and missionaries uh, uh, in mistreated Aboriginal people, and John Harris's One Blood tells that story, but I'm also aware that many missionaries stood up for Aboriginal rights, recorded the scriptures in Aboriginal languages, and I think we have a lot to learn, actually, from um, Indigenous Aboriginal Christians, and I think that, uh, I hope that there'll be an increasing renewal and revival amongst the Aboriginal people, because I think the rest of us need that, and I think the body of Christ as a whole needs that. So thank you so much for what you said. I really appreciate it. Dawn, thank you so much for your call. I'm going to have to put a line under the calls there for today. We have run out of time, but uh, great insights being shared today and talking about the Good Samaritan, Jesus' attitude when it comes through in that parable about uh, who we think is important and the actions that we have from our heart. Uh, The idea that we've been talking about the church being a proof that Christianity is not racist. And I wonder whether just only a minute or two in our conversation, I wonder whether just a, a closing comment here about the role that church might play in days to come, David, uh, so far as, you know, we've got this working model, as we've said, as to how that works out and how that can contribute to our own national debate. Any any thoughts there? Yeah, I, my view is we need to stay away from the tribalism and the politics of it, and we need to show the love of Christ by how we treat people and how we care for one another. We need that public witness. Um, I, I think that... Uh, the last caller there, Dawn, uh, for me was particularly significant, and I think we need to see uh, 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 an increasing role for Indigenous people within the Church, and I also think that we need to recognise that God has sent to this country people from many different backgrounds, including myself as an immigrant, the Chinese, the Korean, Africans, and others as well. And I think we can celebrate that, celebrate one another's cultures, but most of all, the only thing that unites us is in Christ. The only thing that unites us is in Christ. And I'll remind listeners that this conversation, you can listen to it again on a podcast later today, uh, one of those that you might want to even uh, share around as uh, something that sets in place just some context as to how a Christian thinks about what the Bible teaches when it comes to these issues of race. And I do want to point people to a number of websites here just to mention because David Robertson, he's the director of what's called Third Space. Uh, We've done a conversation about Third Space and what all that means. You might like to uh, Google that and you might come up with it, but it's a project of City Bible Forum in Australia. And so I'll give you some websites for City Bible Forum, which is in all the capital cities around Australia, doing wonderful work with people before work, in their lunch hours and after work, uh, usually in CBD, all sorts of wonderful activity that's engaging people around all sorts of issues that are so, so important. But citybibleforum.org is the website. You can find the Third Space website, thirdspace.org.au. And David has his own blog site, and it's called The We Flee. It's got a little bit of uh, Scottishness to it, theweflee.com. David Robertson, always great to get your insights. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It was great to be with you, and thank you to all those who called in as well. It's really, really uh, appreciated. And thank you to all you Australians from whatever background for allowing uh, this Scottish immigrant to be part of your country. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 